All right. So All right, it's uh, February 8th, 2018, and this is the Daily Bitcoin Recap. I am Kyle Torpy, and I had some difficulties with my sound there, with my software as usual. But I'm restarting the show again. And let's see, there's some announcement that I made. Oh yeah, I tried, I was, I was thinking about uh, doing like a live stream of, you know, the process of putting together the newsletter and everything. But I think that would be kind of boring. But the problem I'm trying to fix is I, I want to get more people in the live chat, like when I'm starting. So I might just like, uh, you know, start the stream 15 or 30 minutes early to get people in here. And then, uh, you know, just start the stream after that or start the actual show after that and then cut it, cut out the like pre-show stuff before I uh, post it on YouTube and SoundCloud. So I don't know. That's just something I was thinking about with this show. If you have any feedback on that, but anyways, uh, five or six, uh, top stories I want to talk about in the show today. It's kind of a slow day, slow news day overall. Um, but, uh, the top story I wanted to cover is this, this guy in Toledo was arrested for a fake ID operation and he got uh, nearly $5 million worth of Bitcoin seized in that arrest. So I'll talk about that. Uh, there's an Amir Taki interview in courts that's new that I'll talk about. Um, if you don't know who Amir Taki is, he's like, he's one of the first Bitcoin developers and he's just like a legend in the space, basically. Um, he takes a very like political uh view on Bitcoin as a technology. Then we have a former Bush secretary advisor warning against, um, you know, nation states, rogue nation states, or, you know, whether they're supporting terrorists or they're just a country that the U.S. has economic sanctions against. He's warning that uh, these kinds of places will use Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to get around sanctions and regulations. And he actually developed uh, the financial embargoes that cut off terrorist financing after 9-11 uh, under George Bush. So he has kind of like a unique perspective in that regard. So I'll talk about that. Um, the IRS is looking into cryptocurrency accounts and trying to build uh, cases, tax evasion cases in the U.S. There's an exchange in South Korea that's guaranteeing the one-to-one -one backing uh, to tether so they're saying if like something goes wrong with tether uh you know that they'll bail out all their users uh at least in terms of their tether, tether holdings and that's probably the all i'll uh, cover today and i'll get to the questions as well all right let's see all right this the story of this guy from toledo i saw right like right as i was wrapping up um you know, the, the newsletter, putting it together, just getting some last stories to make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, so it says Toledo man arrested $4.7 million in Bitcoin seized in large scale fake ID case. Uh, if you don't know, there's this subreddit on Reddit called fake IDs. I've actually been like looking at it quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's like not on the dark net or anything. It's just this subreddit where 
kids like under 21 go on there and buy fake IDs and it's all done through Bitcoin because the people selling the fake IDs obviously that they PayPal or whatever. But it's weird because they don't even use it seems like they don't even because everything's on the internet. Um, but anyways, there is this like on it um, where kids are buying fake IDs so they can buy alcohol and whatnot. And they're all using coin. Uh, and there was, I, I almost did like a story on this a while. It's never been covered, like, I think like Business Insider and a few other, uh, but maybe write on it again. I don't know. But, anyways, the, the key point to me in this story is that he was holding $4.7 million with the Bitcoin. Uh, so, this is like an illustration that not of like people holding Bitcoin are doing it out of a speculative nature. Like this guy, Bitcoin was ship resistant uh, store of value. Uh, obviously, you know, in this case, he, I guess he didn't, you know, handle his Bitcoin properly because they apparently seized. Um, so it's not clear if they seized it like uh, encrypted form where they won't be able to access it or, you know, it's a very new story. So it's not not clear what the details are. Um, but yeah, he's he's basically holding Bitcoin because it's difficult for millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin uh, anonymously uh, when it's coming from like an illicit enterprise like this. Uh, and there's plenty of people who you know, need to be large value transactions. You know, in the U.S., it's this guy who's selling fake guys oil. It's just someone trying to, you know, live and avoid hyperinflation in the country. So there's different, different reasons why people might need a censorship, a seizure-resistant digital asset. Um, but I thought it was an important story because it goes to show that not everyone is just buying and holding Bitcoin just because they think the price is going to go up. Um, now, if, if he's got millions of dollars worth, I imagine he's been doing this for years. It says it in the story that uh, he started in the Silk Road days, which would be maybe as far back as 2011. Uh, so I think Silk operated for 15. So I'm not sure when he specifically started, but let's say he was Silk Road. Um, I talk about the, the fake ID subreddit a little bit in the story too. But yeah, I guess the the main uh, point I wanted to make there was about, you know, he's storing value in Bitcoin because he has to basically for his uh, illegal enterprise. All right, now let's get to this Amir Taki interview from Quarks. Um, so Amir Taki is probably best known for developing Dark Wallet and Dark Market. Dark Market was eventually forked and became Open Bazaar, which is like a decentralized uh, you know, peer-to-peer -peer online marketplace. And they only recently implemented Tor support, so it's just now, you know, getting to the point where it's, it's like used for the reasons that Taki originally coded up uh, Dark Market with, I think it was developers from Airbits, which is now Edge, Bitcoin wallet, or a cryptocurrency asset wallet now. Uh, but basically they, uh, you know, he, Taki like disappeared from the scene for a while and he was actually uh, fighting ISIS uh, for a few years. Um, and now he's back in the Bitcoin space. 
and I'll kind of, I'll try to, uh, you know, I already read through this entire interview, so I'll just try to like pull out the parts that I remember being interesting. Uh, he said he was originally going to go to Texas and work on some projects with Cody Wilson, who's the uh, ghost gunner guy. He like does the 3D printed guns. And he also worked on uh, Dark Wallet with Amir. Uh, so he was originally going to go to Texas right after he got back to the UK after fighting ISIS. But he they ended up arresting him when he got back. And then he stayed in England for a year. And then he came up with like a completely different plan for what he wanted to do. Um, I think he when he first came back, there was some interviews. I think he was going to work on Dark Wallet again. Uh, but then now it, he's, he's going to work on this like... Uh, school basically an academy in here i'll read this part it says tacky currently lives in barcelona where he's setting up an academy called the polytechnics polytechnics institute to train ideological hackers he wants to create a political cadre of technologists committed to the cause of complete overthrow of the state system so he's uh he's basically getting back to the roots of why bitcoin was created in the first place which was you know, these decentralized networks that can't be shut down and create um, opportunities for, for people to do things that they couldn't do before because of the way, you know, the censorship and uh, basically just censorship of centralized uh, systems. And obviously in the case of Bitcoin, we're talking about, you know, payments and commerce, basically. Uh, so, yeah, one of the problems in the... Uh, Bitcoin generally right now is just a lack of developers. And I know Jimmy Song is, is kind of working on, on that with his like, it seems like a private, I haven't really looked into it, but I, th I think it's like a private school for, you know, becoming a Bitcoin core developer or something like that. Um, and he's obviously working with blockchain capital on that now. So the, Amir is kind of like setting up his own version of that too, with like an ide ideological uh, strain behind it. Um, which, you know, I think Bitcoin sort of needs that. It needs to kind of get like back to its roots and get more development going in that area. Obviously, the core developers are working on that kind of stuff. You know, we've seen Greg Maxwell and the Blockstream guys come out with uh, bulletproofs and things to improve privacy through confidential transactions. Now we're seeing better scaling potentially through the Lightning Network. But uh, if there's one thing that could help Bitcoin more, more than anything else right now. It's just more developers, more people actually working on, um, you know, building uh, applications and projects on top of the Bitcoin protocol to make it more useful for these use cases where it actually makes sense to use it. Um, at one point in the interview, he talked about, because uh, the, the interviewer from Quartz asked him about the Craig Wright scandal where Craig Wright came back and said he was Satoshi. And Amir like said that was actually one of the parts where, you know, it made him want to come back to the Bitcoin space, just because it was so obvious that you know Craig Wright is definitely not a genius and he's a complete fraud, and he felt like Bitcoin is, was losing its way at the time. Um, and he kind of talks about this later in the interview. Um, he says on our current trajectory, that potentially is not on its way to being realized as a grand project. So if you look at the price increase, what is that price increase coming from? It's coming from a lot of speculation that the future price is going to keep going up, but it's not any real value underlying it. That is not going to be able to realize itself. So he's just talking about how, you know, not that many people, more people are using it, Bitcoin for 
you know, the intended purposes. It's kind of just, especially over the past few months, we've just seen people like buying Bitcoin and other crypto assets because they think the price is going to go up. And obviously, I'm sure plenty of you who are watching or listening had the same you know, experience as me where you had just people asking you, acquaintances or people you haven't talked to in years, asking you like, oh, should I buy Bitcoin now? Am I gonna, is it going to make me rich? That kind of thing. But if you look at like the adoption of, you know, the core underlying value, it's definitely not going going at the same pace as the price. Uh, so in that in that sense, um, perhaps this correction was a bit healthy to, you know, get get the Bitcoin community back to its roots a bit. Um, and he talked about how, you know, the Bitcoin, Bitcoin kind of lost its way. He always talks about the Bitcoin foundation as like when that started to happen. Um, because you had these people try to like take control of the protocol in his view. Um, and then he talked, yeah, he talked about this in a previous interview a few months ago where he says, you know, it, Bitcoin was able to kind of defeat those who were trying to, you know, take over Bitcoin and use it for their, uh, whatever purposes they wanted. Um, I think he originally talked about how uh, Bitcoin kind of defeated it when Bitcoin Cash like forked off and those who were trying to control the protocol, you know, were eventually pushed off into that new altcoin. But uh, to, to me, it was more Bitcoin proved its resistance to these uh, tendencies to centralization when uh, Segwit2x failed because that was a large percentage of the mining uh, miners and you know large companies like blockchain and coinbase trying to basically say we're going to change the rules of bitcoin and you can come with us or not and they ended up not doing it just because you know the futures markets and communities didn't want the change to happen so they couldn't push it through uh, obviously the, this doesn't prove bitcoin is resistance to all kind of political political attacks but you know it's the failure of segwit 2x is definitely a good sign uh, let's see if there's anything else in here. He talked about trying to raise $20 million from uh, his Bitcoin friends who can, uh, you know, help him with this uh, technical institute he's trying to start. Uh, he talked about he's, he still supports like the Bitcoin core developers and their motivation and reasoning. Um, but he, he'd just like to see them, you know, develop at a faster pace, which I, I think everyone would agree with that. Everyone would like to see development happen faster. Uh, maybe see more risk taken. Uh, there, was like, there was actually a bit of a Twitter conversation yesterday that's kind of related to this in terms of drive chains, where like some people don't want to see drive chains implemented on Bitcoin uh, because they think that miners will just like steal all the money. Um, but my view and the view of some others is that this is a completely opt-in system and if it's a if you can implement drive chains via soft fork, um, it doesn't really matter if you want it to be implemented or not. If people want it to be implemented and Bitcoin holders especially want it to be implemented, then it will be. And there's not really anything you can do to stop them um, because then miners will be incentivized to uh, not block the soft fork if enough uh, Bitcoin holders want the soft fork to happen as well. Um, so it would be interesting to see some experimentation start to happen on drive chains. But uh, we we haven't seen uh, that definitely happen yet. I mean, Mirror doesn't bring up side chains or drive chains at all in this. This is just kind of my own uh, additional thoughts on the matter. 
Um, and he, he talks about Lightning Network here a little bit. He says, I've been waiting for, I've been waiting a long time for Lightning. I was already thinking if it didn't happen soon, it looks like it's going to happen now. But it, I was really thinking just to have a temporary solution if Lightning doesn't arrive soon. And he's talking about how, you know, these sort of systems can't really scale without something like Lightning uh, Layer 2 protocol. Um, let's see, I don't think there's really anything else worth mentioning. I, th I think you should read the entire uh, interview. Um, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting perspective from Amir all the time. Let's see, I'm at 24 minutes, but I'm not sure how far <clears throat> in I am based on uh, you know when I restarted. But I'll keep going here. And obviously, if you have any questions, put them in the chat. I'll get to them at the end. All right, so now there's this story from Coindesk where they talked to uh, the guy who helped invent the financial embargoes that cut off terrorist financing after 9-11. And he's concerned that cryptocurrencies could basically undermine uh, these these policies that he was able to help implement. Uh, and here's a quote from him. Uh, this He said this directly to uh, uh, Coindesk. The guy's name is uh, Wanzerat. Uh, he says, there are nefarious actors out there, including state, state actors like North Korea and Iran, that are looking to you to the use of digital currencies and related technologies, at a minimum as a way of circumventing the current global order, which limits their access to capital. These capabilities and technologies could also be a way for them to try to undermine global financial commercial systems at some point. Um, so he's basically concerned that cryptocurrencies will be used by the likes of North Korea, Venezuela, Russia, whoever. And we are seeing them do that already, at least according to multiple reports. You got Venezuela like launching their own uh, ICO. You got uh, North Korea allegedly like mining and hacking cryptocurrency exchanges. Um, but basically, this I mean, Bitcoin is a permissionless system, and it can be used by anyone who's not being uh, who can't use like the traditional financial system, which is basically controlled by the U.S. with the you know reserve currency of the U.S. dollar, or in Europe the euro. So if you can't access the traditional traditional financial system, uh, anyone who can't do that, whether whether you're like a a guy in Toledo, as we saw earlier today, trying to sell fake IDs, or you're you know Kim Jong in a North Korea, you know anyone who needs an alternative will use these systems. Um, but he, you know, he Zarat doesn't think that. Uh, it's kind of weird. They always uh, talk about how, you know, we need to not stifle innovation with these technologies, but they talk about all the bad things that can be done with them. Um, so I don't know. I feel like their tune might change once they realize that they can't really clamp down on these technologies just by regulating the exchanges or whatever. Because uh, obviously a completely different financial system can exist within Bitcoin and you don't even have to move outside of Bitcoin if you don't want to. Obviously a lot of people do because of the price volatility. But I mean, there's no reason North Korea, uh, all these other entities that this guy is worried about cannot just use Bitcoin um, and not interact with any of the entry and exit points. Um, so yeah, I'm not... It'd be, it'll be interesting to see if uh, these regulators change their tunes once uh, it becomes clear that 
you know, clamping down on centralized systems built on top of Bitcoin probably won't be enough. Uh, but then again, I also don't think they'll be able to, you know, ban the Bitcoin network or anything like that either. Um, so yeah, there's the story of the IRS going after um, those who are using Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies for tax evasion. Obviously, last year they got all those records from Coinbase, and uh, you know, for their records to see like if there might be uh, tips for tax evasion in there. Uh, this is from Bloomberg. It says a new team of ten investigators is focusing on international crimes. In addition to following undeclared assets that are flowing out of Swiss banks after a crackdown, it will also build cases against tax evaders who use cryptocurrency. The promise of anonymity that has drawn money launderers and drug dealers to virtual coins is also attracting tax cheats, tax cheats the IRS has said. Uh, and then the chief of the IRS Criminal Investigation Division said the agency hasn't charged anyone yet, but the cases will come. Uh, and he also said that it's possibly used Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in the same fashion as foreign bank accounts to facilitate tax evasion. I think I kind of hit on this point uh, not long ago where Bitcoin might replace offshore bank accounts, especially if there's more cooperation between countries in terms of, you know, not allowing people to move money offshore just to uh, avoid taxes. But this is, it, this kind of goes to like the same point I was making about that Toledo uh, story, the guy with the fake IDs. And also you could say with North Korea, Russia, or Venezuela or whatever, this is the underlying uh, value of Bitcoin in the first place. Those who want to do things that the traditional financial system does not allow them to do will use Bitcoin. Um, but obviously, you know, if you're a public person talking about your whole Bitcoin holdings, all that kind of stuff, you should be paying your taxes uh, because you're making yourself an easy target otherwise. And then I'll get to this last story, and then if you have any questions, I'll cover those in the chat. So there's this uh, exchange in South Korea that is guaranteeing the one-to-one -one peg to Tether. Um, someone on Twitter said that Bittrex is doing this too, but I asked for a source, and I didn't check to see if they had one before. So I don't know if, if Bittrex is doing this too. I'm sure it'll be in the newsletter and show tomorrow. Uh, but this is kind of interesting because it'd be interesting if more exchanges did this because it would kind of give more legitimacy to uh, Tether generally, I think, because I think a lot of the, you know, the corporate entities that are pretty much the only ones that are able to redeem their Tether for actual U.S. dollars, I think a lot of those corporate entities might be exchanges. And I think that they would be the ones to know, you know, whether or not there's actually a one-to-one -one peg to the U.S. dollar and, you know, Tether has the dollars to back the USDT token. And obviously, it'd be you know very irresponsible for some of these exchanges that are letting their users use Tether to uh, you know trade with that token, unless they were absolutely sure that you know Tether had the money in the bank accounts. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if more exchanges come out and say this. I think this is kind of a a uh, not that well known exchange. So it'd be it'd be a better indication if we got larger exchanges saying this kind of thing. All right, let's see. All right, I'm getting two questions now.
Uh, you guys are saying the sound is choppy. Hopefully it cleared up uh, a little bit. I don't know. I need to get uh, I need to get like a proper setup. Uh, but I also want to like figure out you know what what I'm doing here first too. Uh, I'm still very new to like YouTube and recording show and a podcast and stuff. So I think once I get like the proper format. I'll get like a nice mic and like a MacBook or something. Uh, let's see. Do you have any questions? Ernie Young says, did you see Roger on InfoWars today pumping B trash in between ads for snake oil and sugar pills? <laughs> uh, I think I said this. It was either on the show yesterday or on Twitter. I think B cash uh, really goes after that like conspiratorial uh, you know, strain in the Bitcoin community, which is, you know, I mean, the whole Bitcoin cash or Bcash narrative is built around like blockstream core, quote unquote. So it's basically built around this like conspiracy theory that blockstream has taken over the protocol and are like working for the Bilderberg group or whatever it is. Um, so like Roger and Bitcoin cash fit perfectly on Infowars like even more so than Bitcoin, I would say. Um, but yeah, I would, I mean, B, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. I don't really like talking about Bcash that much anymore. Um, See, so you guys are, oh, apparently Data Courier is saying Roger almost referred to Craig as Satoshi um, during the, uh, during his interview with Alex Jones, apparently. All right, well, unless you guys have any other questions, I guess I'll end this here. Uh, I think you guys are just talking about the Roger interview at this point. Uh, apparently there's some callers that called in to disagree with Roger, but I don't know. Roger is a good like talker. Uh, Daddy, Data Courier asks, Kyle, are you planning to experiment the format? Any panels planned? I think once I get like my daily show format um, down pretty well, then I'll start doing like maybe an interview once a week, something like that. Uh, he says he missed the panels on World Crypto Network. I was on the World Crypto Network on Friday with uh, Vortex and Mad Bitcoins. I like doing that show. I might try to do it like every Friday. Um, in terms of like panel format for this YouTube channel, probably not. Um, like I said, the only other like video podcast format I have probably that I'm going to do eventually will be like interviews, but that I don't, I haven't really started the plans for that. It's just something I know I want to do once I get this uh, daily show, you know, down better. All right. I think I'm going to end this here. If you like the show, make sure to like the episodes on YouTube and SoundCloud and subscribe on YouTube and SoundCloud. Um, and if you subscribe on YouTube, hit the uh, little bell next to the subscribe button so you get a notification when I go live. Um, and you can get my newsletter and Twitter and all my articles and stuff at kyletorpy.com. And thank you for watching. I'll be back at 4 p.m. 
or no, I think I might be back a little early tomorrow. Uh, this is kind of part of the format. I'm trying to figure it out. But uh, I think I'm still going to do this show on Fridays, but I'm also going to do the Bitcoin group right afterwards uh, if they want to have me on the World Crypto Network. Uh, so I'll be, I might do the show a little bit early tomorrow. Uh, but you can still obviously listen or watch on demand too. Uh, but thanks for watching, guys. See you tomorrow.